Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group. Real Hi, Road to Growth listeners. Today we have Brandon Wilson here. He's an executive coach, a consultant, and he's an author. Uh, and it really dives deep in his book about overcoming some adversity as a leader, and we thrive on this podcast about adversity, so I know we're going to dive into this. Let's first jump into uh, the executive consulting business, and Brandon, thank you, Brandon, for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Vinny. It's going to be fun. I look forward to it. So I, one of the things, I mean, I because I've had a lot of consultants and coaches on this platform, so one of the questions I just throw off the back, how would how does your business differ from other businesses as a consultant? Well, that's a great question, and, and, and thanks for asking it. I own a communications consultancy, so we are an ad agency. Uh, and as a byproduct of ad agencies, one of the things that we do every day is put together strategies that help our clients achieve measurable outcomes. And that ad agency is called Wheelbron. Uh, we've been around for nearly 20 years. Uh, we've worked with uh, a some pretty influential companies in the world and, and executives at these really influential companies. Uh, and, you know, I, I am uh, not a, uh, a coach or, or, or an, a, an advisor or consultancy in, in that sense, more so than I am a strategist to executives. You know, I help them realize their most daring and audacious pursuits. And that's what I do every day. And we do it for their brands, but we also end up doing it for those executives at those respective companies. And before you got into this, and, and I think where the book comes from is the sab sabotage. If anyone's listening right now, uh, I think it'll be in the it'll, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, Brandon's book, Sabotage. You were a leader of men, kind of building a business, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. Were you always a leader at a young age, or who was branded at a young age? You know, I was a, um, you know, people define leadership in different ways. Uh, I, I was a, uh, a, a carer of, a carer of humanity. Like I cared about people at a young age um, that, that allowed me at a very young age to get walked over in these kid relationships with these, with, with women, but with little girls rather. <laughs> But as I got older, it, it served to my benefit. He's such a caring guy. <laughs> but we, we appreciate that as we as we get as we get older. But I've always cared about the human condition. I always cared about people, uh, and and what and, ev and whatever it was that I was putting my mind to, I wanted to make sure that that it created opportunities for other people to get to become involved. And we define that as leadership, and uh, but they're they're all manner of, of leaders, and so if that's the definition of leaders, and I, I think I was a leader at a very young age, uh, the thing that 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 sticks out to me most is uh, is having the ability to identify pursuits, going after those pursuits, and then uh, encouraging other folks to come along with me and not to give up until we achieve that noble pursuit. Um, and I did that in, in sports. I did that, uh, whether it be in, uh, in leadership organizations at, at school, I was never, 
let's let's put this out there. I, I was never the smartest student, and um, I was okay. I was decent. But one of the things that I really learned early is the power of collective impact. That everybody has some talent to bring to the table, uh, and a great story that that really shined a light on on the imp- on the impact of of collective impact is when I enrolled in in a entry level biology class at Auburn University, uh, where I graduated from, and I remember walking into this huge lecture hall filled with about 500 students. I think it was about 500 students in there. It was massive. I had never seen anything like that in my high school. And uh, we sit down (laughs) and uh, the professor comes out and she starts talking about instantly, first day, day one, uh, the role of the the mitochondria as the powerhouse of the cell, uh, how energy is made using ATP or adenosine triphosphate. Um, You know, just cease, just crazy uh, uh, processes that make the body work. And and I was in the class thinking like, what in the heck is this lady talking about? And everybody in their seat was nodding up and down in affirmation. Like, yeah, I know about that. Yeah, I know about that. Yeah, I know about that. And I looked at the guy next to me and I, I just got the courage to lean over and ask them. I said, hey, do you know what she's talking about? And still moving his head up and down in affirmation, he he mouthed back to me, I have no idea. <laughs> so at that moment, I said, oh, it's not just me. I don't know how to do everything. I don't know how. We need each other. I, we exchanged numbers. Uh, I got other people in the class, and I formed these study groups. Uh, and everybody would bring their own uh, talents and skills and strengths to those study groups and and I would I would venture to attribute my ability to to assemble teams and to put people together and, and connect them uh, in a position to utilize their strengths uh, as the reason I graduated from college <laughs> when you're even in that sense or later on how do you grab enough people to be productive yet sometimes when you you get too many cooks in the kitchen sometimes it can be unproductive because people are talking over each other or maybe trying to lead the direction other ways so where's that balance and that come from well it's about understanding your weaknesses i mean you need a lot of people if you have a lot of weaknesses uh i mean so it, it's all about you know i think leaders might get into a position where they're the proverbial too many cooks in the kitchen if they have a poor assessment of their own skill sets and they start to recruit or build teams of, of people uh, in order to get those teams to do their work for them. And I, and I love this cooks in the kitchen analogy because it's not about having, there's no way you can have uh, too many cooks in the kitchen uh, if you understand what the menu is going to be, right? Like, or if you understand how much the demand is going to be that, that you're going to have um, in, in your, in your restaurant. And it's important to know that, that if you are not a cook, then having all of those cooks around you, it's important to have a leader there who, or an expert there who knows how to cook. And so putting together those team dynamics, a great team that compensates for your weaknesses, I think is incredibly important. 
And it's something that that has happened to me over naturally over my life and over my time growing up. Uh, but then we start to see the impact of it as a professional, where the consequences are are even greater. Well, let's go into your example. I mean, there's, a, I think, a difference from uh, owning a company and bringing people on, right? Hiring people, right? That's uh, roughly a defined leader. Yeah, I mean, you still have to gain their trust, earn their trust. Yet in a situation like you're talking about for the Auburn, right, where you're bringing back this collective of people to come together on a, a solution of figuring things out. In those scenarios, how would you build yourself up to, I guess, be that leader and allowing people that maybe are other natural born leaders to kind of step aside? Yeah. And this is this is a great segue into uh, why the book Sabotage is so important. And, and I'll get there in a second. Now, the most effective leaders uh, understand that they are first and foremost system builders. So it's not about assembling just people together, but it's also assembling processes together. And in assembling those processes, everybody is able to gain something of value or benefit from the institutions you've built. And, and, and if you take that analogy, like that study group, everybody was able to participate in some way and to gain something different of value from being a part of the system that was introduced to them uh, as a way of as a way of ascertaining, studying, and then regurgitating the information that was gained from them. Though so they were incredible note takers who gained an opportunity now to read those notes aloud to other people and to have them ask questions about their notes. But all it, their their skill is just taking the notes. But they've never really had to think critically about what they wrote down. And they really needed an audience to be able to do that. Some people learn didactically. They like to, to challenge the information on its face and they gain an audience to do that. So creating not just the group, but a process for that group to work in. And this is the difference between those who are journey people, hobbyists, uh, and, and those who start start out as solo practitioners and eventually scale to building companies that eventually become institutions. And so there, there, there are these levels and the levels are always differentiated by the how robust the systems are that that leader puts in place, because the systems is what allows for that plant to grow. Well, let, let's let's go back to, to your journey, right? So you're you're at Auburn, you leave Auburn, right, and you look to build a business. And this is kind of where, I guess we're segueing into your book. That's right. How did, and getting at least understanding too. Of, I'm assuming, and this is never great to assume that basically this this knowledge base that you've grown about putting to get these thriving systems in place was probably something that you weren't too familiar with in college and maybe a little bit afterwards. No, I, I knew it was a talent. I knew it was a okay. talent. And uh, and I was, you know, after college, I was recruited to uh, uh, to work at a civil rights organization uh, to start a higher education division for them. It was a, essentially a higher ed consultancy. So I provided uh, strategies and consultancy to college presidents across the country uh, that afforded me access to incredible mentors. I mean, people who were doing just incredible things and 
people who had become masters at tapping into the power of collective impact. But in doing so, and in achieving those really bold things, they found something else out, that there are forces in and around us that stop us from having the type of success that we set out to have every day. When you wake up in the morning, even you, and when your listeners and your viewers wake up in the morning, they say, man, I'm when I go to sleep, brother, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to run 10 miles. When they wake up in that morning, first thing they probably tell themselves at 530 in the morning, I can sleep another 30 minutes. <laughs> I'll sleep it up. Ah, it's cold outside. I don't think I'm going to do it. You know, I'll go later. I'll do it later. And then their spouses wake up and the spouses say, hey, I need some. I got some stuff I need you to do for me today. Can you do this? Can you do that? Then we have children. Then we have familial obligations. Then we have work obligations. All of those things are sabotaging forces on you running that 10 miles. And it began with you. So there are two types of leadership sabotage. There's a I mean sabotage. There's a leadership sabotage and then there's self-sabotage. The leaders that I was talking to who were doing really bold and audacious things were encountering either their own limiting forces, those that they impose on themselves. And how do I work through those things? Or they were facing saboteurs within their own team, within their own system, the systems that they developed. And they were each ill equipped with the tools needed to break through those limiting forces to achieve their transfer, their transformative acts, you know, liken to you and I and your listeners breaking through all of the minutia of those limiting forces in our lives that stop us from running that 10 miles that we set out to do that day. We knew we were going to do it when we went to sleep. And as soon as we woke up, as soon as we shared that, that idea with somebody else, as soon as we decided to take action or put action to it, sabotage became a reality. And look, Vinny, it's all around us. I mean, it's everywhere, but nobody wants to talk about sabotage. And uh, and I think that um, that that leaves a incredible gap in the leadership industry in terms of professional development. Well, let, let's talk more about your own journey. Right. Mm -hmm. How did you relate with this? How did you deal with this? How did how did it pop up in your life? Well, I'll tell you, to first write a book, you need to, to become it. And uh, and so I, I've seen leaders in all manner of. Uh, of, of crises, uh, from multi-victim killings to uh, to protests that were <laughs> targeting the leader themselves. Uh, I've just seen all kinds of sabotage from employee defiance to whatever, but none none prepared me to become a student of sabotage and to understand its behavior like being a victim of it. So I too uh, was a victim of sabotage. Mine mine came. Multiple times, but the one that that really spurred this book was around 2012 when I was thinking about uh, ways to grow my my ad agency. Uh, we were making a lot of money by my standards, and our clients were happy. We were doing great, and and I decided to grow by acquisition. I said we would grow by acquiring other companies, and I got a call uh, from a from a friend of mine who knew of an owner of a business. Uh, that was looking to sell or said that they were looking to sell uh, state stately accomplished 
um, well-connected guy, and um, and and I met with him. We hit it off, and I decided to start doing due diligence on that business. And very over time, what I came to realize is that he really didn't want to sell the business. That that his ruse was really getting me to run his business for him and to grow it all under the while feigning due diligence. Uh, and that became very clear and apparent to me when I took some bad business advice. Uh, I was I was asked prematurely to set up a to join him in setting up a third entity where we would start putting our assets into this third entity for an asset sale. Uh, my lawyer said it's not time to do that. But I just believed that uh, that that this was the right time to do it. And uh, and that if it wasn't that I could survive the due diligence process and the wall work out in the wash in the end. So I started putting my, my money and, and assets into this third entity um, while still doing due diligence. And I remember getting a call from my attorneys and, and they asked me to come by the office and they did a check with the state department. And and that third entity didn't exist. <laughs> and they said, Brandon, where is your money going? Like, where is it going? And I said, I don't know. I've been giving it to this guy to put into this third entity. And. It, and it, it appears that he was using that money to enrich himself. And, and so instantly we, we knew that something was not right. And so we filed, we, 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 we drew up separation documents. Uh, we halted everything. I um, delivered it to him. And I remember having a meeting because he refused to sign the separation agreement. And we had a meeting and then he proved himself to be a, a saboteur of, of, of the bullying type. And there are several types of saboteurs, which my book outlines. Uh, but but my saboteur was a bully. And I remember sitting at, at a desk with him and we were sitting across from each other. And, uh, and he said, almost in a mafia style, he said, you know, I know you, you you're not going to give me any more of my money. <laughs> um, and that's OK with me. And he said, if you if you decide to stick by your guns, young man, and not give me any more of my money, I, I'm just going to have no other choice but to kill your wife. That That's what I'm going to do. And I looked at him sort of jarring, like, what are you talking about? And he leans back in his seat without missing a beat. He looks in the sky and kind of points into the sky and says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is how I'm going to do it. And so he leans forward and he said, this is how I'm going to do it, young man. I'm going to call people in my network uh, and I'm going to get you arrested. I'm going to have you arrested on some trumped up charges. That's what I'm going to do. And they, you, you may go to jail. That's fine. But you'll be able to bail yourself out because you have my money. Is what he said. And I was listening to his play by play book. And um, he said, but I'm not interested in you going to jail. What I'm interested in is the mugshot. And I'm going to do two things with that mugshot. I'm going to circulate it all around town so I can embarrass your wife because everybody's going to know she's married to a crook. And then the second thing I'm going to do, I'm going to use it to blackball you from the industry so that I can rob your household of the revenue that it needs to survive and to thrive. Do you want that kind of life, young man? If you don't, just give me my money. As, I mean, this was our conversation. And I punched back and I survived and we separated. Uh, I had the resources to do it. I had the lawyers to fight back and uh, I punched my bully back and, and made it through. And from that experience, uh, 
I did something that a lot of leaders don't do. You know, when we are sabotaged, we hide it. We don't mention it. We don't say anything about it. And we do a disservice to those other leaders who might be victims of sabotage in, the, in, in their life. I was very visible and public while mom was going on. I put on my best suits every day as an act of defiance. I went out to every meeting, every networking. and said, hey, that's, the, that's Brandon. That's that Brandon who stole the money, who's, who's, whatever, whatever it is. See me. Hear me. Look at me. And if you ask me about it, I'm going to talk to you about what's going on. And what I started to learn in that process is that I wasn't alone, that there were several, one in every third leader that I spoke with was faced with their own bout with sabotage. And they had nobody to talk to about it. And even worse, they lacked the skills, the requisite skills needed to overcome what they were enduring. Um, so how long were you when he relayed this information to you? How long were you in your business for at this point? Huh? Our business was around for about 10 years. Okay. Well, about seven years then. So we were pretty mature. Uh, the good news, when I say I survived, I want to define what that means. Uh, define what, that, what I mean by that is, is, is our clients stayed with us. Mm. Our employees stayed with us. The goals that we were seeking acquisition to achieve personally from our personal life, we have those now. And so what I mean by that, we were not stopped. The things that I, we, my family, my employees that we set out to do, we didn't allow sabotage to stop us. We overcame it. Uh, and so that that was that I want to be make sure that we know that survival means thriving to it actually means not being deterred from what you're after as a leader when you're in that that moment right where there were he's relaying to you that hey i'm gonna tell um x y and z i'm gonna say this about you and scream it to the sky right and there's so much information out there especially today on social media where someone can post something and say it and before you know it it can be Okay, I'm not gonna work with this person because this cancel culture. However, you might absolutely it, right? whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. All right. So in that moment right there, um, did you look at okay, I'm gonna figure out the story that I'm gonna tell, or am I gonna try to keep this quiet until he starts doing what he says he's gonna do? Well, uh, uh, great thing because I know some of your listeners are probably facing either their own sabotage self-sabotage or leadership sabotage. And uh, and I made a decision, which I would encourage you to do, is to not think about it as I need to come up with my own narratives. I, I, I believed him. when he. First thing I did was believe him. When he said, I'm going to do A, B, C, and D, I didn't take it as a threat. I, I took it as, as him showing me the, the hand he has in this card game. Like he... He, bullies are so confident and the book breaks down all the types of nuances of the psychological and the emotional habits and behaviors of these different saboteurs. When bullies tell you what they're going to do, just believe them. But in terms of how you respond to it, the, the wrong response is to hide uh, because bullying is a persistent act of taking more than their fair share. So when you hide or you don't talk about it or you don't or you cower is not going to let that bully or make that bully go away because it's persistence. The only thing you need to do is punch back. But to your point, in terms of understanding 
what we each need to do whenever we face or are faced with, with, with sabotage and, and, and that kind of sabotage and those rumors that, and all of that, I think the thing that is important for us to do is to make sure that we are um, not so self-absorbed with ourselves. Uh, John Maxwell said it the other day. He said, get, get, get over yourself. Uh, he said, get over yourself. And in doing that and getting over yourself, you now know that it's not about what these people said about me or, or that that's going to diminish me or destroy me or stop me from being who I need to be ultimately. But be who you are and be your most authentic self every single time you step out, regardless of what people might say about you. It is the fear that other people can diminish you or or harm you in some way that usually leads us to want to cower or to not want to be our best selves. And when we understand that 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 can't have an effect on you because you're so self-confident and you believe so much in who you are authentically, then you can't be stopped by sabotage. Is this um, I mean, even at that moment, were you married at that moment? Yes. Okay. Now, what does that conversation look like? Because I'm, I'm assuming, right, that you had that conversation after this happened with the people you surround yourself by, attorneys, wives, so on and so forth. What was that conversation looking like? Oh, at the house with my wife? Yeah. Well, she was uh, she was uh, very supportive. She, you know, we, we talked about it and she knew that this was probably a bad deal to go through. I mean, she didn't she she, she didn't support it from the, from the beginning. Uh, and if you hear noise in the background, that's her. Um, and um, but she she was very supportive of of my venture for growth. And we set out together I and mean, we said that what we're going to do um, is, is we're going to grow this way so that we can get a couple of things. So one is we can gain um, the resources needed to move into a better home, into a better neighborhood, to do better things um, with each other. And so uh, she supported the growth. And, and in doing so, she stuck with me. And it was very challenging, but it's always great to have a, a partner next to you while you're enduring uh, whatever it is you're enduring in your life, because you can have someone there that you can speak with and confide with about your fears or your concerns and, and all of that. So uh, so it's a it was a it's a joy to have a partner. And she stuck with me throughout. And then you're going through this. And then when does the idea of the actual consulting company come around where you're actually helping people? Because I know you're doing the, the the digital marketing at that point. Right. But no. Yeah, we were still we were doing consultancy then. I mean, oh, we, okay. we were. Okay. You yeah, yeah, both yeah. Okay. we were we were about to buy another company uh, is, okay. is what we were out, out to do. But what's the, the most impactful, the most the most exciting thing about the entire journey for me is not not what happened to me. It was two things. One is that it it, it is survivable. Now, I doubt that any of your listeners are facing anything as egregious as I face. Uh, and so take that as a, as a note that whatever you're faced with, you can survive it. The second thing is, is that I discovered how ill prepared other leaders are to face those limiting forces and those forces that try to stop them. And so I had a lunch with a buddy of mine. He said, what are you going to do with this newfound information? Uh, and I said, hey, I'm going to write a book about it. <laughs> I'm going to write a book. I am so um, amazed at how few leaders had the equipment needed to see it. Now, listen, let me stop here for a second and just say 
why was my surviving of sabotage so important? It's not because I was trying to keep a consultancy. This is this is where it really gets real, and I really want your listeners to uh, to hone in on 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 why this is so important. Uh, my business was figuring out ways and developing strategies to create better public transit systems for people who were could not afford to have their own automobiles. We were working with uh, education outfits to create better public school options and what well, public school systems and educational options as a way to uplift uh, depressed and impoverished neighborhoods. We were working. So the point is we were getting after incredible things. It's not just a company that makes money. It's a company that's literally making the world better. And when you wake up and say, I want to do that 10 miles, like that 10 miles is literally helping to extend your life. And when we allow sabotage to stop us from that 10 or to stop us from uplifting or improving communities or transit systems or companies, we're allowing sabotage to opportunity to steal from us the gifts of our leadership that we have to offer the world. Uh, and, and in another in another sense, I talk a lot about uh, Steve Jobs. You know, Steve Jobs was a victim of sabotage and and people never they talk about how how persistent he, he was and how much of a visionary he was. But his perhaps most noble, most powerful weapon or ability was his ability to quickly assess who was for him and who wasn't. And that ability is why we presumably today have the technology that we have today. Now, everything is, I mean, 20, hindsight is 2020, right? If looking back at that situation that you had right there in your own moment of sabotage, right? Is there anything that you've learned over the years that would have made the situation even smoother than it was at the time? Oh, absolutely. Yes. The, the, the first is, 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 is for every leader. Um, always and this is important this is hard for me to 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 accept it's important for us to wake up tomorrow you don't have to do it today but wake up tomorrow and look in the mirror and tell yourself i'm not that good we're not we're not if i had done that <laughs> years ago the process would have went smoother. I probably wouldn't have been in the process because the act of not taking yourself so seriously, the act of practicing self-humility allows you to do two things. One, it allows you to take a real assessment of your true abilities, but also your desires and your drivers to know that that thing that makes you most vulnerable. At the time for me, I was after the the bump in net worth that I would gain as a result of of, of pursuing that bad deal, and and I was able to willing to survive and throw caution to the wind to get that, and because that money was a vulnerability vulnerability for me at the time, and so think about so I would have known if I just said look I'm not that good, why me? Then I would have done the self assessment needed to avoid all of the, the sabotage that came later on. And it's important for you to start with that, that statement 
and then take a critical assessment of who you are. The second thing that that statement allows you to do is to really receive opportunities uh, from a lens of understanding if it's coming from a place of, of, of genuinity. Is it really an authentic request? When that person comes to you and say, hey, I'm going to give you a promotion, you need to repeat to yourself, I'm not that good. Why? Hey, man, I want to give you a million dollars. Here go my company. I I'm not that good. Why? <laughs> now, you, it, it may be the right fit for you, but that pause, that pause that you provide, your, that you allow yourself when you stop taking yourself so seriously gives you just enough space for your instinct and intuition to kick in so that you can give a real, thorough, genuine, clear-minded assessment about the opportunities that are before you. So in essence, if it sounds too good to be true, it might be. It might be <laughs> There's a lot of scams out there. A lot of scams. There's a lot of scams out there. Folks, folks on your in your LinkedIn saying, please offer me a job and send me money to, to wherever, uh, right? There, one, of, one of my clients, she was telling me before her father passed away that he he would send money overseas. It was like a couple hundred dollars, but people would send him send them stuff and he'd send over a couple hundred dollars for new cars or new this. And she would catch it in the mail before it go out. Yeah. So it was like, if it sounds too good to be true. But think about think about how how easy it is for that victim to pause and say, I'm not that rich. Yeah. Why me? Yeah. I mean, it's important. And and I know it's so trite, you know, that 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 attractive person looking at you, wanting to be in your company. Just pause for a moment and say, I don't look that good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is hubris that makes us oftentimes makes us vulnerable to to the to the wiles of sabotage. And so uh, in the book, we talk about the activities of sabotage. And, and 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 the other thing that now hindsight is 2020. I would have been more self-aware. I wish I were more self-aware then than I am now. But the lessons that I learned in my study of sabotage is that it, my lessons provide us with the ability to see betrayal, theft or deceit before they strike our lives. Like imagine having walking into any organization, into your house, into any relationship, into any friendship and knowing when betrayal is going to happen before the people betray you. And so we have the tools in the book to help you do that. Well, I think it becomes a balancing act for people listening, right? Having that confidence that you can start your own business, you can build your company, yet taking a second to say, okay, I need to keep myself grounded a little bit, assess this, and then go back to that level of confidence that you have. You can't live in both those in those worlds, yet dabble in a, up here, go back down here, and keep playing around with it, I think. Well, and, and I, will, I will take what you said one step further, not that you – that you shouldn't, you can't live in those both both worlds. You shouldn't live in them. Hmm. My business grows most rapidly when I get out of the way. Yeah. Those meetings go so much smoother when I'm quiet. <laughs> those new business deals happen quicker and I close them quicker when I let the client close them. Hmm. Get out of the way. <laughs> get out of the way and watch it grow. Uh, if, if you don't remember anything else from this episode, get out of the way and watch it grow. And and, and we, we oftentimes want to stay in the way 
And that keeps us small, but it also keeps us a standing target for those assassins of sabotage who, who try to try to take us out. Talking about growing, if we're talking five years from now, where is branding going to be? Where's your company going to be? Uh, what's the future hope for you guys? Yeah, for us, it's going to in five years from now, we we will have measurably impacted uh, health, this global health disparities of people for people living with HIV. Oh, wow. we, we we would have done that. And we're working right now with Yale University, with professionals at Yale in order to do that. And I'm sure those professionals woke up and said, hey, man, I know we're at Yale, but I want to go out and, and make life and access to healthcare a little easier for people living with HIV in, in, uh, in Africa. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure folks in Colombia called them and said, y'all can't do that. That's sabotage. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Right. And so we're going to we're helping them get through. All of those challenges to do that. Another thing in five years, we would have built a college campus with Apple wow. that provides innovation and, uh, and, and global opportunities for students that historically black colleges and universities. I'm sure when the folks at executives at Apple brought that idea up, I, well, they came to my office and we, we came up with it together, that idea. But when they took it back, I'm sure they said, man, we make we make phones. What are you doing building a campus? We don't do that. That's sabotage. So in five years, we won't be stopped. And, and my book is really about creating the unstoppable leader. Uh, and a real quick story. There were leaders who were stopped. Uh, it, it was a great story. It was stories after story after story after story of executives who went out to do bold and incredible things. Um, and some of them were not successful. Uh, and, and one of the stories that I talk about in that book was uh, some restaurateurs who had their vision stolen from them and that company i won't bury the lead i won't ruin the book but that company still exists today but if you knew the original founders of that company if you knew that they were like movie set designers in hollywood and once you read the book you find out what this company is you're going to be like man that company could have been way cooler (laughs) than it is today but they allowed their gifts to the world to be stolen by a saboteur. They were unprepared. Steve, uh, you know, Steve Jobs was prepared. We now have that. Martin Luther King Jr. was prepared. So we now have his dream as inspiration for, for making sure that we can become a uni- more united world. There, perhaps for every Martin Luther King Jr., there's probably 300 more of him. But 299 of them got sabotaged by J. Edgar Hoover and by COINTELPRO. Think about that. I mean, something that, that I've talked to, sometimes you have sabotage, you know, as you call it, and it's not in a, in a negative way. It's just because they weren't able to accomplish it, able to do it. And so they're trying to protect you and tell you, hey, how, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time there? I mean, I think that's a, a big story out there of just people that, that can't see your vision, can't do it themselves, and they think they're protecting you. But in the end, it comes back to the idea of sabotage. It is. It is absolutely sabotage because... One of one of the things that sabotage does to us, it allows other people's lived experiences to become our lived experience. Mm. Now, listen, I want to I want to make a couple of statements. Today, I want to live a mediocre life. Said no one ever. <laughs> today, today, I want to be uh, just an assistant manager at my company. Said no one ever. 
Like we all have these lofty dreams, these lofty goals, these love, but life puts in front of us these uh, uh, these challenges and these limiting forces that over time do a little do a little they they sort of wane on us, and they make us give away our best life and stop pursuing that next thing, and we effectively allow ourselves to be sabotaged, and then over time we start sabotaging ourselves in a way, as a way. Of, of accepting or embracing uh, that life. There's a, there's a, a, a stat, like 98% of the people in the world are living a life that's less than the life they dreamed they would have when they were kids. Think about that. This book is about giving you the power needed to assess why you keep sabotaging yourself and to assess why you keep attracting saboteurs in your life. The 2% of the people have done it. And I will tell you, I'm living, I'm living my best life. I, I, I love the life that I have. There, I am in the 2%. And, and, and my gift to the world is a book that allows them to move out of that 98% into the 2% of people who are living their best lives. And the thing that distinguishes that 98% from that 2% is not how hard they work. That's what the books will tell you. It's not how, how early they wake up. Who cares how early you wake up? Not how many miles they run or how healthy they live. It's, it's, not, it's not any one of those single things. It is the ability, the ability to discern those who in our and around our lives and the forces in our lives that we are allowing to stop us and overcoming those things so that we can do what must be done in order to live our dream lives. That's the difference. That is the difference. So whenever you whenever you hear see a LinkedIn post that says Elon Musk wakes up at so and so and he eats two bowls of cereal and that who cares? What you need to be asking is is what did you do to not allow that 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 voice that defined employee that theft that betrayal that were that was in your life that's also in my mind? How did you how did you make it ineffective to overcome in order to do your thing? That's the difference. Well, thank you, Brandon, for being here. Thank you for being on the Road to Growth podcast. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of nuggets people can take away from this. I mean, find the sabotage in your life. Because reality is there's probably something on. It might be self-sabotage. It might be outside sabotage. It could be as aggressive as Brandon's story right there. Whatever it is, there is something out there for most of us. Uh, get the book. You're not going to be able to turn the switch probably tomorrow. But you can buy the book tomorrow. That's right. You're on the journey right there. So thank you, Brandon, uh, for being here. What's the, the best way of people following you, reaching out to you? What's the best way? BrandonWilson.co. Just go to on the website, BrandonWilson.co. You can buy the book there. You can learn about me. You can book me as a, a speaker. You can also get time on my calendar for free at BrandonWilson.co. I'm also on Instagram at BrandonWilson.co. And I give great leadership tips every day. Uh, to help you become a more effective leader. So I'll see all your listeners and viewers at brandonwilson.co and purchase the book, Sabotage, Leadership That Overcomes Betrayal, Theft, and Deceit. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Please subscribe, please share, and go find Brandon. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.